Hey there, welcome to Not Your Ordinary Girl, a podcast for professionals looking to find their voice, define their brand, and maximize their impact. Episodes are a collection of lessons from real life, interviews with people doing incredible things, tips and tools to get you on your way to realizing your infinite career possibilities. Hey there. So today we're going to be talking about preparing for a job interview. It seems to be that time of year, spring has sprung and everybody's getting a little antsy. I've been getting a lot of questions about how best to prepare for an interview, what kind of questions you should be asking while you're at the interview, things like follow-up emails, thank you notes, all kinds of things like that. So I figured it would be a good use of our time today to talk a little bit about prepping for a job interview. For starters, congratulations if you're listening to this because you are all excited about an interview for the possible next great adventure of your career. Congrats, that's super awesome. And I hope that what we talk about today really helps you get ready for that interview and nail it. Um, having done lots of interviews on both sides of the table, I understand it's it's kind of nerve-wracking, but it also feels so amazing when you totally ace it and you come out and you're thinking, oh, I did a great job on that. I asked really good questions. I'm going to go home and send my thank you follow-up email and they're going to call me. I also know what it's like where you feel that way and you get home and you wait and you wait and you wait and then you don't get that email and they just disappear. What do they call it in the online dating world? You get ghosted. And I get that too. And if that happens to you, I'm so sorry because I hate that feeling. All I can tell you is don't don't stop trying. Just keep looking for opportunities, keep going out there and keep trying. If you make it to the point where you're at an interview, you're already ahead of the game, right? Because they only interview so many people and every interview, even if it's successful and leads to a job or not, is a great experience. It's great practice of public speaking. It's great practice of passing along your message, demonstrating who you are, uh, communicating your personal brand, and just interacting with other professional folks. So you never know where that's going to, to lead to in the future. You may even just make a really good connection of a professional colleague that you can turn to in the future. You know, maybe you end up friending them on LinkedIn and it's a good connection. They may recommend you to someone else that you might be a better fit for right? So try to take it as a glass half full. And even those interviews that don't go great, roll that all into experience and apply that to the next one. Okay. So prepping for your interview, let's go ahead and dig in. I look at this experience as a two-pronged approach. I, I, I feel that interviewing is built upon two pillars. One is you need to worry about me and the other is you need to worry about them. And this isn't really as competitive as it sounds, um, but I guess I, it's easier for me to break it down in my preparation for these types of, of events in two parts. The most important thing, if you get nothing else out of this podcast today, the most important thing for you to take away from this is that anytime you are going to a job interview, whether you need the job desperately or not, anytime, 
you should be in the driver's seat. Okay. You are also an interviewer at every interview you attend. You are interviewing that interviewer. You're interviewing that panel, that recruiter, that potential fellow employee, potential future boss, and that organization or company. You are interviewing them to see if they are fit to be your next employer, your next coworker. Okay. Because at the end of the day, you are in control of where you work. You don't have to say yes. I understand you may need to pay the bills and maybe this is just a position to get you by for six months, 12 months. If that's the case, you do what you got to do. But I would still encourage you to really go into your interview with the mindset that you are in charge too. You're going to be nervous. You're going to be a little anxious. You want to make sure you put your best foot forward. You make a good impression. I get all of that and that's going to happen, but you'll also be a little bit more confident. There'll be a little bit more calm in your gut if you're reminding yourself that they should be nervous too. I have questions for them and I want to make sure that they are a good fit for me. So in preparation for what you need to be doing for your side of the table, the first thing I would encourage you to do is research. It doesn't matter if you're working for McDonald's or some Fortune 500 company, okay? You need to do your homework. You need to learn about that organization. You need to learn about that company, anybody that's working there that you can get information on. You need to go into this being as aware and prepared for who you're going to be working with as possible. We're so lucky nowadays with the internet because there's such a wealth of information on there about pretty much everything, everybody, every place, that all you have to do is Google, right? You're going to work for, we're going to call it Acme Flag Makers for the purpose of this episode, okay? You're going to go work for Acme Flag Makers. You're going to Google them. You're going to read everything you can about their website. If they have 10 pages, you should read every page twice, maybe three times. Take some notes. Read about the founders. Read about the mission. Read about the vision and the values. And anything they put up there is great information for you because it gives you a a sneak peek of the culture of that organization. Read about the types of services they offer. Read about their locations if there's more than one. Um you know, anything on there that you can learn about and take some notes on and get a better feel for what that organization is telling the world, that's more informed that you will be during the interview. And it will help you understand why they're asking some of the questions they are. It will also offer you the opportunity to spout that back at them in a polite manner. I'm not saying you walk in there and you list off their core values and this isn't a, hey, look at me, I did my homework kind of a thing. This is more one to give you the confidence when you go into the interview that you know a little bit about who it is that you're interviewing with, plus to give you that background so that you can make calculated responses to their questions. If you know that this is a super work-life balance friendly environment. And it says all over their website that they 
they do community picnics and they you can bring your family and they do a mandatory number of vacation time days a year for all of their employees. You know going in that this is a very family-focused, work-life balance type of an organization. So you probably don't want to go in there saying, oh, I really, I have no family, I have no friends, I have nothing to do other than work. I'm really just looking for the type of organization where I can put my head down and, and really bust my butt and get ahead without any distractions. That's probably not going to be a wise thing to say there. That may be what you're thinking, but that's probably not best response. It's not the best way for them to really feel connected to you because they're all enjoying, in theory, this work-life balance culture. And you are looking for the dog-eat-dog kind of corporate culture where you have no time off. You also might want to consider perhaps this is not the organization for you unless you're thinking that your mindset may be changing. You know, perhaps you just got married and you're thinking you need to be finding something that has a little bit more balance in it and drawing you away from that very laser focused career, work 100 hours a week type of um, experience. Then that's fine. But if this is completely at odds with what you are looking for, what you thrive in and what makes you happy, something you might want to consider before the interview. So back to doing your research. In addition to researching the company, they probably sent you some kind of an email or you had a phone call. They told you where you were going to interview. Perhaps they told you who you were going to be meeting with, who you were going to be talking to. If you have any of those names... Google them. Look them up on LinkedIn. Look them up on Facebook or any of the other social medias and see what they're up to. You know, it gives you a little bit more of an insight to the types of folks that you're going to be meeting with. Look at the company on LinkedIn. And if you can see a lot of their employees have only been working there for two months, six months, 12 months. If this isn't a brand new startup, that should be a bit of a red flag. And you should be putting that on your list of questions to talk to them about and say, hey, I noticed on LinkedIn, many of your employees are new or newer to the company. Is this because you've recently gone through some organizational changes? Were there any kinds of major overhauls to perhaps the company was recently bought out? changes to their structure, or do you typically only hire temporary employees? Perhaps you do um, fellowships, perhaps they do internships. Tell me more about the structure of how you do your hiring, because this is going to affect you, right? I mean, if they're only looking to bring you in for a year and that wasn't communicated, but that's what's going to end up happening, you need to know that. You need to be able to make the best decision possible if this is the right company for you and this is you interviewing them. Are they a good fit for you? Perhaps it's just the new folks that are the only ones that are active online. You never know, but it does raise a question in your mind, or at least it should, for further clarification during the interview. So the next thing I would suggest is 
You want to get yourself a notebook and make a list of any of the questions that came to mind based on your research of the company. If you have some questions about their core values or their mission or the types of jobs or the types of employees that they're hiring longevity, you'll want to talk about things like job advancement or um, health benefits, child care if you require that, um, 401k, those types of questions. With respect to salary, unless they bring it up for a professional type of position, most of the time, this is going to be handled by the HR department. So the person interviewing you may not even have any insight into what the salary they would be offering you is. I'm talking more about questions like the culture of the organization, what a typical day looks like in this role, what the advancement opportunities are, what the educational and skills development opportunities are. Will they pay for you to take a class at a, at a local university or do they offer on-the-job training? Those are the types of questions you want to be ready to ask. And those are very personal. You know, those are what you want to get out of the job. And I would encourage you to really give a lot of thought to the questions that you prepare because you want to know the answers to those before you can make an informed decision whether or not they are the right fit for you. You know, there's many different ways that companies do interviews now, the behavioral panel interview, all of the different fancy names that they have for these. And they're all meant to indirectly lead the organization to a better understanding of the person they're interviewing. And I really encourage the interviewee to take that same approach. Obviously, you're not going to assemble your own panel, but when you're asking questions, if you're calculated in how you ask these questions and what questions you ask, you will get more information, right? So if you want to make sure that they are... Um, supportive of educational growth, you can talk about things like their programs for tuition reimbursement or, um, you know, expansion of skills. How do they keep their employees advancing in scientific areas? If this is a, a very scientific profession, you know, you can ask them questions about continuing education into those type of arenas. Science is always changing, right? So they must be keeping their employees in lockstep with the trends in that environment. How do they do that? What does a typical day look like in the office is one of the questions I really like. Um, and if you are interviewing with more than one person, I would ask each of them to answer that question because you may get different responses, especially if they're in different roles, right? How do employees relate with the management here? Is it a team environment? If it is, could you give me some examples of the types of team building activities or, or team approach that your organization uses? Because many organizations rave about being team environments, and I've talked about this on other episodes. Some of them are flat out lying. There's no such thing as team. They may say, oh, we're all about team, we're all about team, we're all about team. Yeah. No, they're not. They're saying that because they put people on teams, but they're not meant to function as a 
interacting team as a cohesive unit. They're just grouped in teams. And then, you know, they have to step on each other in order to move up to the next group of teams. So that's something, if, if that's appealing to you, no problem. But if that's not appealing to you in a team-like environment where everybody works together and it's a real collegial and supportive environment where, you know, you hold the ladder for others, you want to know if that's really what they're offering. So back to having your notebook. You want to have a notebook when you go in there. Have your list of questions that you know for sure you want answers to. Maybe you don't want to list them all out in long form. Maybe you just want to give a couple key words, couple key bullets to trigger your memory of the different things that you are asking. Take notes. There's going to be a lot of questions that you ask. There's going to be a lot of questions that they ask. And the last thing you want to do is come out of the interview and get in your car on the way home and be like, oh crap, I totally meant to ask them about how many days of vacation we get a year. And for you to have to write in an email afterwards some kind of really basic question shows that you were either ill-prepared or flustered or just disorganized and didn't remember to ask that question. Now, if it's a question that came up during the interview based on the conversation that you had and, you know, later on that afternoon or the next day you're thinking, gosh, they were really talking about this and it made me think about this. I think I might need more information. Then you can send a follow-up email and say, you know, our discussion on such and such a topic led me to think about X, Y, and Z. Could you provide further clarification on this? Bring your notebook, take notes. I would also recommend that you bring printed copies of your resume. Most places say, don't worry about bringing your resume. I've been to a couple interviews where that happened and I got there and the person I was sitting across with hadn't even read my resume, hadn't even seen it. And in one particular case, looked at me and said, oh gosh, I wish you had brought a resume. Meanwhile, in the back of my head, I'm thinking they specifically said I wasn't to bring it, therefore I didn't, but I still look like the schmuck because I didn't bring my resume. So whether they tell you to or not, you don't have to whip it out, have it in your little notebook, have a copy of it there just in case. It never hurts to have one with you just in case that situation comes up for you and you're sitting there thinking, I knew I should have brought it. Because in that particular instance, the interviewer was feeling embarrassed because they didn't do their homework. But instead of it staying with them, it turned around to me because I should have brought a copy of the resume for them. So their embarrassment that they didn't do their homework and were caught off guard automatically ends up being my fault. Whether it is or it isn't, that's just the way things work, right? So, oh, I'm embarrassed. I didn't do my reading, but you're the interview candidate, so you should have brought a copy of your resume. And you know what? Totally right. I should have been prepared. Whether their email said don't bother bringing it or not, I should have brought it because you never know if you're going to need it, and it's a couple of pieces of paper. And you leave, and you didn't need it. No one ever needs to know you disagreed or disobeyed what their email said. But on that one chance where that maker breaks that interview because that interviewer is now embarrassed, you can just whip it out and be like, oh, gosh, it's no problem. I brought some copies of it. I'm sure you're really busy. I can give it to you, and you can take a look, or you can take it with you. That way you don't have to worry about printing it off. I'm sure you've got lots to do. Now you've sympathized with them 
you've provided them what they needed, and you've given them an excuse for having not done what they needed to do. So now you're the hero. Will it get you the job? I don't know, but it can't hurt. So also in advance, aside from doing your research on the company, you want to make sure that your house is clean. And what I mean by that is go through your social media, anything you posted up there, the recruiters probably already looked at. Okay. So before you've even started interviewing or starting applying, this is something you should have already done. But since we're here talking about prepping for an interview, maybe the interviewees have not looked you up yet, right? You've just got the notice that you're going to be interviewed. They've probably just been informed that they're going to be meeting with you. Go on social media and make sure your house is clean. If there's crazy stuff up there, it's going to be hard to hide that, and that's just going to be out there. But if there are ways where you can make sure that um, your privacy settings, if you've got personal sites where you are a little too vocal on certain topics, maybe go and tighten up your privacy settings on your Facebook, right? Again, probably something you should have done before you started looking for a job but it's never too late to do it. Perhaps you'll, you'll be able to get it done before the interviewer looks you up. If you're on LinkedIn, maybe go on there and be a little extra active the next couple of weeks until your interview or the next couple of days. I'm not talking about brown nosing. I'm not talking about kissing up and I'm not talking about being disingenuous. What I am saying is that if they're looking for you, you want to be showing up in a positive light, right? So if you typically post an article now and again, but you haven't for a little while because you've been looking for a job, okay, well, now you have an interview. So take a little time, get on LinkedIn and post an article. Say something positive, say something upbeat. Hopefully that's your typical tone. If it's all doom and gloom, all right, roll with it. If that's just who you are, own it but make sure that it's professional and make sure that the information in your um, background area is up to date. If there are certifications or um, affiliations that you are associated with, that your latest job history is in there, make sure all of that's in there because there are a lot of people that look at a resume and think, I don't want to read a resume. I'm just going to go on LinkedIn. That's their, that, that's their preferred method of interacting, right? So they're going to go on there and try to look down and see what the different skill sets you have are and you know what your, your summary, your mission statement are, those types of things. Make sure that's up to date um, and make sure it's relevant. If you are applying for a job at Acme Flagmakers and you are a professional cello player, try to put something in there that explains the leap from cello player to flag maker. You know, is there, have you been madly making flags in your free time and that's where you get your experience and your passion for it? Or are you just bored with playing the cello and you just thought acne flag making sounded great, right? See what I'm saying? So you need to have some kind of transition in there, something that demonstrates why you want to make the jump from A to B. Obviously, You got to the interview, so you'll have an opportunity to sell your story in person, but 
you also want to make sure that when you come into that room, anybody who's been looking you up online isn't going to be already totally biased against you because there's nothing on there about flags. Why is this person wasting my time? Because first impressions mean a lot. And while you are going to get to do it in person, if they've already formed an impression of you online, you're going to have to overcome that. And it's going to be that much more work for you in the interview. You may have an amazing story, right? That's going to knock them over and it's no big shake. But if you don't have that kind of a story of, you know, you were struck by lightning and suddenly have this overwhelming passion to create flags, it might be something you want to consider. So, and the last thing for prepping you for an interview on your side of the table is very personal, okay? And hopefully I don't offend anybody here, but I'm just going to be real about this, okay? Comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your hands, iron your clothes, get a good night's sleep. Ladies, don't get crazy with the makeup and the jewelry and the jingles and and the accessories. You want to stand out, but you want to stand out for what you're bringing to the job, not what you're wearing to the job. Okay, polish your shoes, leave a little bit early to make sure that you get to your interview early. Perhaps they didn't tell you about access requirements and you're going to need to go through a gate and then you're going to need to give your license at the counter and then they're going to have to wind you through this crazy building to get to where your interview is and now you're 10 minutes late because you plan to be there at the time your interview started. Get there early. Sit in the parking lot, sit on the, on the sidewalk outside or around the corner, sit in a coffee shop up the street, get there 15, 20, 30 minutes early, get your head in the game, get ready, take a look at your notes, play a little uh, Sudoku or something on your phone to calm your nerves, maybe watch your favorite YouTube comedy video for a few minutes, get yourself in a space where you are calm, cool, collected, and ready to go in there and nail it. Give yourself every opportunity to ace this that you can. So let's look at worrying about them. All right, you've already done your research. You've already read about the company online. You've read about the, you've kind of not so stalked the people that you're going to be interviewing with. You've read about them. You've kind of gotten the gist of what, what they're all about. How can you prepare yourself to answer the questions that they're going to ask you? How can you kind of read ahead and figure out what some of the questions they might be so that you can have the best possible answer, right? So the first thing I would tell you to do is pull up that uh, job listing. That's going to be your best friend. Read through that. And typically they have two sections. They've got the what this job is all about, and then they have the what skills are required or would be nice to have. And really pick those apart. Go through what the job description is and the skills that they're looking for. And you remember in school or even in fun workbooks when you're a kid where they have the two columns and you have to find the match in column A to column B and draw the line across. That's what I want you to do with their job rec. Go through and list out all of the things they're looking for and make a column 
on a piece of scratch paper, right? Write them all out. And then on the left, write down all of your skills and a couple words to trigger your memory on certain activities or examples or experiences that you've had in your career that directly correlate to what it is they're looking for, right? And try to figure out what are some of the really, really good examples of what you've done that apply to those things that they're listing off. Because they're going to ask you, you know, what in your resume or what in your career experience makes you qualified to do this task for us. And tangible, real life, specific examples of how you have tackled similar challenges are your best bet because you are providing them not only an an anecdote, which may or may not be funny or entertaining, but you're, you're providing them with specific examples of how you have already solved that problem. And that's what employees do. Employees solve problems. No matter what level you're at, you solve problems. The bathroom's dirty, you bring the mop in and the bucket, you solve that problem, you clean the bathroom. You need to sell 12 widgets, you come up with a plan, you execute the plan, and you sell 12 widgets, right? It doesn't matter what we're talking about here. Employees are problem solvers, period. So the better you can describe and provide them examples of how you have tackled that problem they already have, and you are experienced to tackle it and, and solve that problem for them, the more times in the interview you can demonstrate that capability the higher and higher and higher you're moving up on the list. Obviously, your personality, your appearance, your experience, those things all play into it. But at a base level, they're looking for someone that can come in and complete that job description. And it's one thing to say, I'm really good at spelling. I'm really good at Excel spreadsheets. I am really personable and I make a lot of friends. I'm very good at networking. I can do public speaking pretty well. It's one thing to say all of those things. It's another thing to demonstrate it, right? You have an opportunity to sit across from the table and to descriptively provide them examples of how you are all of those things. You're looking for somebody that can present your material in a believable and a powerful way. I am that person because in my last job, I was responsible for X, Y, and Z. That is how you demonstrate to them that you are capable of doing that because you're giving them specific before and after snapshots of your past performance and how it applies directly to the position description elements that they are looking to fulfill. Our transferable skills. It's such a buzzword nowadays, but it's so true. The things that you can do anywhere are the skills that sell. However, the trick is to demonstrate how they are not general transferable skills. They are skills that they want, need, and can have the privilege of access to should they hire you. I'm a great public speaker. That's great. How does that help me? Why does that transferable skill directly apply to this position? 
And, and that's your challenge. And the more homework you do before you go into that interview conference room or office or auditorium, however large it is, the better equipped you'll be to be able to answer those questions, right? They're going to ask you, give me an example of how you've tackled this scenario. Tell me how you would handle it if an employee did this. Explain to me your resume says that you built this amount of revenue. How did you do that exactly? They want details. They want the dirt. They want the background. They want to really be able to visualize and understand how amazing you are. And this is your opportunity to tell them. But you've got to tell them like you're telling a story. You know, you've got to give them specific examples and background and um, the who's and the how's and the when's and the where's so that they can really understand your process. It's not just a mystery that you're coming in and saying, oh, yeah, I can do that. I got that. Because they don't know you. And aside from maybe you working for a whole bunch of fancy name companies that they're enamored by, They still don't know you. They don't know how you work. And this could all be baloney. It could just be a resume that you ginned up and put all this great stuff in that you found on Indeed.com. They need to make sure that what it is you're saying in there is really you. And therefore, that's your chance to tell your story. So that's the crux of the, the them. There's obviously, you see an imbalance. There's a lot more about worrying about you than there is about worrying about them. And think about that because that should reinforce to you that this interview is about you. It's not about them. You need to prepare for your side because you need to make sure that you are gathering all of the information needed so that you can make a decision if they are the company for you. When you're sitting there and you're talking to them, it's kind of like a first date. I wrote a a blog article a while back about how job interviews are like a first date. And I think it's funny, but I think it's very true. If there are little antennas going up, making you think something's not quite right here, or something's not a great fit here, or that sounds a little odd, pay attention to those. Because you are never as objective, whether you're dating or you're at a job interview, as you are in that first meeting, right? All of your senses, your heart, your excitement about the job, um, your ambition about how you're going to move up through the company or advance or really dazzle them, that's going to really detract from your clear vision once you're a little further down the road right? Because you are justifying at that point. You've taken the job. You've gone through training. You're there. You're starting to make friends. But the things that you thought of or observed or heard in the interview are in the back of your brain, working their way to the forefront saying, wait a minute, this doesn't seem right. They talked about this in the interview, but I dismissed it but I've already been working here for a while and we'll just see where it goes and I I quit my other job. Now you're making excuses. Now you're here. 
Now there's a hundred reasons to stay, including, oh gosh, I don't want to go through interviewing again, right? I don't want to have to go back there and do this all again. So now I might be staying somewhere that I'm not really going to be happy in because I didn't listen to that little sense or that little idea in the back of your head that you heard that wasn't quite right. And it may be something really simple. You know, maybe they just don't give enough vacation time or maybe, um, maybe it isn't quite the team-oriented environment that you thought it was going to be. Maybe, um, you know, maybe morale isn't as rosy as they made it seem. Maybe people are, are really kind of mopey here. Um, you know, it could be, it could be a million little things, but you probably have the best understanding of the type of environment in which you will thrive in. And it is important when you're looking for a job to look for that environment. Obviously, if you need a job and you got to take a job, that's one thing, right? But if you already have a job and you're just not sure you love it there and you want to find another job and yeah, you may want to get out of there by summer but you're just finding more of the same, of the same, of the same, of the same. Probably not really worth it to jump ship from where you are to go to more of the same. The whole idea of this is that you want to find that right environment where you can be happy and you can thrive and you can grow and you can spend your 40 hours a week enjoying what you do, feeling fulfilled, feeling satisfied, or just not feeling miserable. So when you're going to these interviews and you're prepping and you're doing this, um, taking notes, prepping your questions, matching your work story examples to their job position description, when you're doing all of this work, at a minimum, the main objective here is for you to gather as much information, both from that job description, your research of the company, your research of the people there, and your interview is for you to be able to come home and really feel how you feel about that organization. Do you leave that interview with that excitement in your gut? Like you had a really good first date. I got a really good vibe. They're very friendly. They seem upbeat. The morale seemed really good. The The facility that I was in is in line with all of the types of, of environments that I like. It's got a lot of bright light or it's got a lot of plants. It doesn't have that obnoxious overhead lighting. And if it does, maybe it's not as bright as some places, right? I mean, you know what it is you're looking for. Maybe they've got a cafeteria. Heck, that would have been pretty awesome. My last job, we had a CVS. All right, it's better than nothing, but how many TV dinners can you eat at lunch? And it's kind of hard to go to CVS with your colleagues for lunch. So before I leave you today, again, if there's one thing that you take away from this episode, aside from being supremely excited about your upcoming interview and feeling a little bit more prepared or at least organized to get prepared for your interview, I would encourage you to remember that it is not only you being interviewed. You are in control of your destiny. You are in control of your career if you choose to be. You can follow along and take whatever comes up and just go with it because that was the path of least resistance. You can do that. 
I'm not sure if that really translates to you controlling your destiny. You are not driving the train. You're just kind of riding on it. Terrible analogies. I'm sorry for that, but you know, that's what comes to mind. Take control. Make sure that you want this person to be your next boss. Make sure you want this organization to be your next employer. I wish you all the luck in your interview. I know you are going to knock them dead and dazzle them. So do a great job and drop me a line because I'd love to hear how your interviews go. Anything that really worked for you or stood out or anything that changed based on listening to this episode. Best of luck. Have a great day. All right. So thanks for tuning in to Not Your Ordinary Girl. I hope you enjoyed it. Head on over to notyourordinarygirl.com and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Feel free to drop me a note with any topics you'd like to hear about or feedback, and please go ahead and recommend it to your friends. Until next time, remember to always stand up and be confident, stand by all that you do and say with integrity, and stand out, because after all, there's only one you.